Welcome to the Lake Mac Way, where we spend some time with our people who make Lake Macquarie a great place to live and work. On today's episode of the Lake Mac Way, we're going to meet Lisa Redmond, and she's with me now. Hello. Hi, Craig. How are you? Very well. Nice to have you on the Lake Mac Way. Let's find out a little bit about you. Are you a Singleton girl? I heard you were. Yes. Not not born and bred in Singleton, but I came to Singleton when I was about 15 years old with my parents and have been there ever since. So where were you before Singleton? Melbourne. I was born in Melbourne. Why move? What, what, what was the reason for mum and dad to, to come to Singleton? Oh, dad came up here for work, up this way for work. But he grew up in Musselbrook, so mm. I suppose he was coming back close to where he'd grown up. So in terms of getting from Singleton to Lake Macquarie Council, what was the process? Have you been working at Lake Mac Council long? Uh, I think I've been there for about seven years now, always um, part-time whilst I've been there. And I, my background from uni is environmental science, but I didn't do my degree until I'd actually had my first baby. Mm-hmm. I did a mature age degree, so I, I was one of those young people who left school early, you know, wanted to get out into the big wide mm-hmm. world, and then later on went, yeah, I'm really, really interested in learning more and getting a degree. And so I did uh, my degree through Charles Sturt Uni with a young young baby and another young baby. Yeah. yeah. So it's environmental science. Is that the area you work in now? Yeah, more or less. I, I work in the environmental strategy team. And my specialty is GIS, which is Geographical Information Systems. So the easiest way I explain that to people who don't know what that means is computerised mapping Mm. kind of gets a picture in their head of what I do. And I job share with Mandy MacDonald there at Council and together we look after, we provide support to our team and to other teams across Council. Our main area of expertise is in the uh, biodiversity, natural systems. So we keep we look after all the data of the vegetation mapping and the flora and fauna of the city and answer a lot of people's questions who might have questions about things like that. Would it impact on the council's decisions around development? What the advice that you may give to the, uh, to the council? Oh, for sure. I mean, we don't... My role is not an advice role. My advice, my role is to provide information to the people who do provide advice and do plan. Um, so we'll, we'll produce maps and figures for reports and um, we'll do analysis of different statistics. Uh, so just to give an example, some recent things we've provided information for are the council's urban greening strategy that's on exhibition at the moment we'll provide background information for the for the Fernley track extension we've done a lot of work on providing background information for that yeah but we basically Mandy and I provide provide the information to other people who are making the decisions mm. and providing their recommendations okay let's go back you're in Singleton you're 15 years of age you've parents have moved up from Melbourne Talk to me about the the years between 15 and 25. What was uh, Lisa Redmond doing? Oh, wow. Um, Like I said, I left school 
sort of end of year 10, so I didn't really have any qualifications. Um, I went through a whole range of jobs. I was uh, in a job program where we were basically chipping out weeds up the back of what is now Lake St. Clair, Glennies Creek Dam. Then I had a job in the Commonwealth Bank, worked in the Commonwealth Bank for eight years or something. Did some conveyancing work, worked for a local solicitor as a um, sort of a support person in the office for a year or so. We owner built a house out at Broke and then I started studying and then I worked for National Parks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so you've, you've done a few things there in that period between 15 and 25. So were you married between the age of, you know, did you get married between 20 and 25? Yeah, I'm trying to think how old I was when I got married. Um, so I was married in 1989, so it would have been 23. Yep. yep. So I married a singleton man, Jared Redmond. I want to, you know, move forward to, I suppose, let's call this a significant event in your life, which I know about, and I think a lot of people would know about when you tell us the story, but set it up for us. You'd moved into town, into Singleton, into the township. Uh, You lived there. And what happened there with you and your house? Ah, so this is going back four and a half years ago. In October, I can't remember the date, but I'm sure Jared will be able to tell you the exact date. I was, at, oh no, I wasn't at work. I was on my way to work. I'd gone for a swim before I started work. And I got back in the car and I had 45 missed calls. And I just... That's I, a lot of calls. <laughs> it is. I thought, I was, I was actually quite relieved someone hadn't died because that's what I thought. When you've got 45 missed calls, that's bad. And yeah, basically what happened was a, a, a guy stole a truck at Murrurundi drove it with a police pursuit all the way down to Singleton, was spiked um, by the police on the way into Singleton, still managed to get over the bridge into George Street. Our house is actually on the main highway and of all the places for him to crash, he crashed through the front of our house. And our house is a state significant heritage listed property built in 1884. And he wiped out the, took out the entire front veranda area and sort of caved in part of the front wall and, yeah, made a mess. So the truck had been spiked. Mm. He's driving from Murrundi initially, further up the valley, in a stolen truck. Police pursuit. They spiked the tyres. So that's going to slow him down. Doesn't stop him. Have we got any idea how fast he was going by the time he hit your house? Mm, no, I don't know how fast he was going, but if you Google YouTube Singleton stolen truck, you will see the dash cam footage taken from a truck that was stopped at facing him. So it's all on film, his truck basically exploding as it hit our house mm. and it looks like something off a Mad Max movie. And this made international news, didn't it? This was not just making local news. This yeah. was a big story. Yeah, it was. It was my husband's sister and her husband were in England and they actually saw it on a TV at a pub. So, yeah, it. I think it must have been a bit of a slow news day, but it made good, good footage because there was just carnage. The whole street was covered in crashed cars. 
He didn't kill anybody, but how he didn't kill anybody, I have no idea. We had a bus shelter out the front of our house, and if you watch the the dash cam footage, you can see the bus shelter just explode and disappear into the air. Now, half an hour earlier, there could have been maybe 10 kids in that bus shelter, and it was often used by older people to catch the bus uptown. So, yeah, it was... It was very lucky that nobody was killed. So Jared's sister is in England with her husband. They see it on television. So it, this is an international story. Did, had you been in touch with them? Or, or are they watching this and going, oh, my God, that's Lisa and Jared's house? Yeah, no, I think, I think they must have known. We must have been in touch with them because it wouldn't have they would have seen the story so they wouldn't have seen this spectacular footage because the dash cam footage didn't get released until after um his court appearance and sentencing so yeah they would have just seen the story but they already would have known if you'd both been home let's just think about that for a moment the house is empty on the day that this happens talk me through what could have happened what might have happened? Oh, I don't, I don't even like to think about being at home because the, I think the noise, it would have been like a bomb going off and I mm. think that would have been really stressful to still be living in the house. And if I had have been, you know, sometimes I used to be out the front maybe cleaning the windows and if I'd been out there, mm. uh, but I would have been trapped. I wouldn't have been able, you'd have looked up and there would have been nowhere to go. So, yeah, I'm glad we weren't home. Have you rebuilt the house? Do you still live there today? Yeah, yeah. We were out of it for about a month afterwards because the entire uh, meter box got knocked off so the, and the power connection got destroyed as well. So um, we're out for about a month and then we we're back in and then not a lot. It, it was all scaffolded up to make sure it didn't fall down and bits didn't fall down and hit mm. people on the street. And... It took quite a while for significant works to start because of the heritage nature of the building. They had to do lots of reports and plans. and uh, So it's it will be five years this October since the accident and we're still there's still insurance works happening on it. There's still building works and the main structural stuff's been done but there's some finishing off inside and plastering and um, some more things on the, a little mm. bit more on the outside to finish. And mm. yeah, so we're hoping five years wraps it up. I've only got one more question on that. And Lisa Redmond is uh, our guest today on the Lake Mac Way. Do you think, even though you weren't home, no one was killed, no one was injured, is there any lingering post-traumatic stress that has impacted on you or is this a clean slate because it was all good in the end? Um, I don't know about post-traumatic stress, but I think about it sometimes and I think, well, I'm 56 now. Oh, no, actually 56 next month. And if it's five years, I think, well, that's 10% of my life, 10% of my life that we've been now just in this um, limbo period of not really being able to move on with our lives, not really being able to do other renovations on the house that we wanted to do. So you're always sort of, it's always in the back of your mind, no, we can't do that because the house isn't finished yet. You said yourself, I don't have to ask now, you're 55. Yeah. You also, I believe, got into cycling and into fitness and into triathlons 
when you were 45. That's late to be doing that sort of stuff. Let's, let's ask the obvious question, why did it take so long? Um, I don't know why did it take so long. I probably just didn't know about it, didn't sort of have the opportunity. And I had a bit of an accident playing social netball, which was... And, you know, I wasn't fit and I was overweight and playing netball and sort of stuffed my knee a bit. And so I started to go to physio and then I had to go to the gym and do stuff to fix it. And my husband and his brother were mucking around a bit just on their old push bikes, riding out of town up tracks and things. And I said, oh, I want to go on a ride. And we had a $20 garage sale road bike in the shed and I jumped on it. And I went for a ride with them and I, I liked the feeling of going fast or faster. And so right from that first ride, I went home, got on eBay and bought a bike. And from there it started. And then once I started, I started, I found some really nice women locally to ride with and enjoyed that. And then I thought, oh, I, I think I could run a bit. Uh, I'm a terrible swimmer. Like, 50 metres would pull me up, Craig. Like, seriously, I would be at the other end of the pool gasping for breath and thinking, how do people do this? And I thought, okay, I need to swim. So I started to swim a bit more and I got a lady who teaches little kids to help me with my swim stroke. And from there, I just read and looked at everything I could about swimming and how to improve it and started to do some um, training with some athletes down here in Newcastle and and I was I was pretty hopeless but I just kept at it and then I started to race and I really really enjoyed it so you obviously got to a point you're doing triathlons by this stage now this is this is the next step yep yeah yeah I was and I thought oh, I can do this I think my husband was pretty dismissive at first he's come around now he's a lot better now but initially he was I think he just thought what's this rubbish what are you doing it's shown me lots of things it's opened lots of doors it's um I've met lots of really great people and sort of culminated in me going to the Hawaii Ironman World Championships twice, which was super exciting and it showed me that you can, you can pretty much do lots of things if you put your mind to it. That's an incredible rise. That's a, amazing to go from a starting point where you could barely swim 50 metres without being exhausted to getting to a point where you would do an Hawaiian triathlon, which is well known worldwide, and do it twice is astonishing. It's extraordinary. So, so in terms of the disciplines, in terms of the, the, the swim, the bike, the run, what, what's Hawaii? How, how far? What are the distances? It's 3.8 kilometre open water swim in the ocean, non-wetsuit. So that means you're just in your, you know, tri-suit and what we call a little speed suit over, over the top. So you don't have the advantage of a, the buoyancy of a wetsuit. 180 kilometre bike on a course that can give you the most horrendous crosswinds and you're riding through lava fields and it gets pretty hot. And then you cap it off with a 42 kilometre marathon in the lava fields in, oh, I don't know, high 30s heat, high humidity. It's, it's that hot out there. You don't really want to be out in the middle of the day, let alone riding and running in it. So, yeah. That's madness. It is. It is madness. You do kind of, 
there, there's times you question your life choices out on that run for sure. Okay, that is a, you know, to go from this, I, I'm still trying to get my head around going from where you started to getting to that point. And bear in mind, this is you're in your mid forties here, aren't you? By the time you start the swimming, or, or was that earlier? Yeah, no, that was that was mid forties, and so 2016 was my first Hawaii, and 2018 was the second. Yeah, I would have been 50 at the first one, and 52 at the second one. Lisa Redmond with me on the Lake Macway today. Um, an amazing story. Uh, so far, we've got more to find out about. the And the distances you, you talked about a moment ago, just about four kilometres you're swimming to start with. Now, you came from a position where you couldn't swim 50 metres or barely 50 metres. You're now swimming four kilometres. Then you're riding 180. Yep. And then you're doing a, a full marathon. This is on the same day, back to back. How long did it take you to do that? Um... Oh, I should have these stats in my head, shouldn't I? Uh, I think my first year at Hawaii, I missed maybe 12 hours and 30 minutes or something. And then my second one, I think I was a bit, I was maybe down to 12.10 or 12.15. Yeah, the, the quickest Ironman I ever did was in New Zealand where I was about 11 and a half hours. Mm. But yeah, I was pretty happy with my Hawaii races mm. because you're, you're racing against the best in the world. I think I come about very similar position both time about 30th or 28th or something like that I think 30th in my age group in my age group so against women of my age from all around the world I was about that's amazing a third of the way through the field yeah no I was happy I was stoked like just finishing just getting there is um marvelous and then to finish the goal once you get there the goal is to finish Mm. and to finish in you know having enjoyed it no matter how much pain you're in, you've got to finish with a smile mm. and have enjoyed the experience mm. of being there. Do you reckon everyone at Lake Mac Council knows about this? Do they know how good you are and your results you've had in these races? I, most of the people in my department know that I what I do. Yeah, there'd be other people who wouldn't. And I'm not big. I'm pretty hopeless at social media stuff. I certainly, all my friends know that I'm, I'm yeah, I don't, not one to push my own barrow on Facebook or whatever and occasionally I'll put something up if I've learnt a life lesson somewhere but that that's about it but yeah. So this is a reasonably unknown story. Oh yeah and I'm sure the people who know that I do it wouldn't have known how um, ordinary Mm. I I was to start with yeah so I certainly never had never had any swimming background I mean I was the kid at school who wouldn't even go in the swimming carnival because I wouldn't get to the other end. I rode a bike as a teenager, uh, which was a good thing. That probably helped me. And running, I was um, I was good at cross country, but never sort of, you know, I, I think I went to regionals with cross country, but that was it. That mm. was at high school in Melbourne. Mm. Yeah, never. and then, you know, just like any other kid, you do a bit of this and a bit of that. I was never the first pick for a sports team or anything like that. I was mm. a solid midfielder, I reckon, yeah. Are you going to do another triathlon in Hawaii? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't even know if I'll do another, if I've got another Ironman in me. I'm still racing now. I'm doing shorter stuff. I, I, I took out mountain biking a couple of years ago, which I just loved. But my, my love for it and my desire to, do, to go faster and do more kind of outstripped my abilities. And so mm. I 
had a bad crash last year on day one of a mountain biking holiday down at Stromlo in Canberra and I literally broke my knee. Mm. So I ended up in Canberra Hospital. So I had multiple fractures around the tibial plateau, ACL gone, MCL gone. So I had a full reconstruction last March. So most of last year was spent learning how to walk again, ride the bike again, eventually take some running steps again. Um, and I've just started racing about six weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And so I've had a few races, which I really enjoyed. I, I don't know if I've got it in me to to go through an, a full Ironman prep. I'm not quite back at that point yet because it's it's hard. It's it's There's so much time involved. And actually racing an Ironman is something that if you if you want to do it and do your very best, you do take yourself to a certain level of hurt that mm. you you've only got so much of that mental reserve to give, and once it's gone, it's gone. It's gone for months and months mm. and months. Yeah, it's 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 a tough gig. The injury you've just described is you've basically blown your knee out. You've basically completely wrecked your knee. If you're you. You know, you've got multiple fractures, you've got ligaments gone, ACLs, medials, lateral, it's all gone. Tell me what you thought when you first came off the bike. You knew you'd injured yourself. Had you any idea how bad it was? Yeah, I knew it was bad. I, um, I was on a raised, obs- I was by myself. It was so stupid. I'd, we'd, we'd already, we'd done park run that morning. We'd gone to Stromlo, we'd ridden around. My husband did the sensible thing. He went back to the car and I said, oh, I just want to go up to this skills park for a minute. I'll meet you at the car in half an hour. And I come off this obstacle and I think it's just really bad physics, my weight, bike weight, immovable object one side. And I felt my leg literally do a bend completely the wrong way and snap back like a huge elastic band. And the pain was just intense. And I screamed. I just basically lay on the ground, writhing in pain, screaming and crying. I knew it was bad. There was nobody around. So I had to wait and I tried to get... I got my phone out of my pocket. Husband didn't answer his phone. I managed... After a few minutes, I managed to kind of get to my f- other foot. I put one, put the bad foot on the ground and I just felt the knee go sideways. And I managed to get over to something and sit down. And eventually some people came past and someone went and got help. And a guy came up and got me in... Um, in a van and he does sort of extracts people off the course and about the same time I'd rang my daughter who lives in lives in a suburb of Canberra she arrived about the same time as my husband come walking up so it was about half an hour later by the time everyone got to me and Mm. and my daughter's driving me to hospital my daughter's a nurse um not in the hospital system she works in justice health but she's driving me to the hospital and she's she's a very practical girl and she's a rock climber and she's, um, there's not a lot of sympathy about her. She said, Mum, the way you're carrying on, your leg had better be broken. The first x-ray just showed, like, um, uh, the bone's chips where the uh, ligament had pulled it off the bone, but the MRI showed everything, and then a CT scan showed more in coming weeks. So, um, yeah, she was... At least I was vindicated. There was a real injury there. I wasn't mm. just whinging. But, yeah, I mean, I can't blame her because it kind of – it was the start of a holiday where she was going to be coming running with us as well and mm. we had lots of things planned and basically mm. I'd blown the plans for everybody. How'd they fix your knee? Uh, surgery, yeah. So they – what they do? They – oh, yeah, I took – there was tape across the medial – 
and the ACL. Oh, I took from my hamstring. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We had a, an allograft sitting on standby for the medial lift needed, but they were able to sort of tack mine back in there. But yeah, so that was hard too, because by taking it from the hamstring, you lose the strength and mobility all the way up the leg. Mm. So the rehab process afterwards is really hard. Was it a knee replacement as such? No. No, no, no. It was a rebuild. How is it today? It's really good. Yeah, it's a bit stiff. It, it's still, I think it'll be a couple of years before it, before I can go, yeah, I don't even know that there's something there. Mm. It still gets, it's a bit stiff, a bit tight in places. Post-surgery, it was so painful. If it, I had no idea it was going to be that painful afterwards. So even more painful after surgery than it was when you first did it. Yeah, because when you first do it, I mean, you have that initial pain and then, the you know, everything sort of starts. You still got pain, but not excruciating pain. And mm. yeah, after surgery, it was excruciating pain yeah. for some time. Because I suppose straight after crashing, you're in, in intense pain straight away, but then the, the adrenaline kicks in, doesn't it? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Mm. I think I was in a lot of mental pain after I, the initial accident too, because I knew, I th- just, I remember laying on the ground thinking that's this year gone. Like mm. I had lots of plans for the year and mm. the year was gone. Lisa, life lessons. If I said to you, you know, what what is the greatest life lesson you've learnt or a couple what would they what would they be um that you can do things that you think you mightn't be able to and that other people tell you you mightn't be able to you've just got to work out how to do them um and and great gratefulness i am just so grateful for every single thing that i do and get to do Mm. and i think that's the thing we get to do this stuff and Mm. it doesn't matter if you go out and have a bad day or a bad race or a bad whatever, we, mm. we get to do it. We get to have the opportunity to get outside and move. I just love moving outside. So even if there wasn't racing involved, I've got a competitive nature, so racing kind of does help stoke the fire a bit there. But just, just getting out and moving in nature, um, I think that's why I love the mountain biking, why mm. I got into the mountain biking and... Later on this year, we're going to go and walk the Larapinta Trail, which I'm really excited about. And I'm not a camper, so um, as much as I like being outside, I'm not actually a camper. So that's going to test me. And I think I like that, that idea of challenging yourself. And the other thing is too, like age, like don't don't feel that you're a certain age, you can't do things still. I get, I get a bit frustrated with people who feel like their life has ended at a certain age my husband my husband actually had a stroke he retired and about six months after he retired he had a stroke and he'd been ignoring signals uh, as many and I don't, I don't not don't want to be sexist here but he did that male thing of thinking no I don't need to go to the doctor and have checkups or do that test or do that test I'm fine so he'd been ignoring signals that were clear clearly something's wrong signals and ended up having a stroke going to hospital being told it wasn't the first stroke he'd had they found evidence of other prior stroke and he regained full movement and didn't have any permanent long-lasting effects physically so he was very fortunate but it sort of gives 
it makes you think that you really do need to make the most of your mobility. You need to make the most of, if you want to do something, go do it. And also look after your health. Hmm. Look after your health. Stay healthy. It's been great to talk to you today. We've got a fantastic story, which I think is going to surprise a lot of people. But I really appreciate you coming on and sharing your story on the Lake Mac Way. Thanks, Craig. Thank you. The Lake Mac Way is produced by Lake Macquarie City Council.